Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Wednesday, January 19th. Coming up on the show today, Tennessee and Vanderbilt play a basketball game on West End. The Nashville Predators slump continues, but we begin with Joe Rexroad of The Athletic and 102.5 The Game to talk about Derrick Henry versus the Cincinnati Bengals rushing defense. Make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. If you own a home in Nashville, you know that remodeling and renovations and custom builds are just a part of the business and managing your home's equity and what it does for you financially is critically important not just how it makes you happy and how you live in it make sure you talk to the folks at the kingston group they will manage all of this for you with their award-winning trusted process they've been doing business in nashville for over a decade give them a call buildkg.com is the website that's buildkg.com remember the name the kingston group Joe, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time, of course. Pay for great journalism at The Athletic and listen to great radio at 102.5 The Game. Joe, you look at the numbers and you see, and I know you wrote about this at The Athletic, uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals defense, but I I guess with Derrick Henry most likely returning and looking at that matchup with the Bengals defense, when you start to look at the numbers and you look at how the Bengals defense fared against quality competition and now the starting lineup that they're going to field, what are you? What are your thoughts on that matchup now? Well, I just think, Braden, that top five in the league in rush defense is a bit misleading. Uh, that is true per game. Per carry, they're right in the middle of the league. In, in a lot of situations, they blew teams out that may have run well against them. Like the Ravens, for example. I mean, the Steelers are bad at running the ball anyway. Like some of their numbers were inflated by some games like that where the score dictated the way the other team played. And teams that do like to run the ball, the Browns had a lot of success running against them. The Jags actually did too. The Bears, you know, the Broncos, they've had some teams that have had success. And now um, Larry Ogunjobi's out. Um, DJ Reader's still the centerpiece of that front, but I, I think the Titans are going to be able to run the ball. You know, it's just like in any matchup, whether you're going against a team ranked first or 32nd, you got to have good play calling and balance and, unpredictability and all that stuff. But I don't think that there's anything about this Bengals front that is especially imposing, especially if 22 is out there looking like 22. So let's get to Derrick Henry then, because it seems like everything is pointing to his return. Very few people will get and understand a Willis Reed reference, and it's not exactly comparable because Derrick Henry is healthy. (laughs) But... But all he probably has to do is run out of that tunnel. And, and I think then Deontay Foreman can do the rest. I, I really do think that they're going to be able to run the ball. What, what is the over-under on, on carries for Derrick Henry? What are the limitations? Is it picking up the blitz that's the concern? Like, what are the things that he needs to do to be able to be full strength and, and ideally full strength for an AFC championship game? Well, first of all, I love your Willis Reed reference. And I, it's like the long-term Willis Reed situation. Uh, coming out, I, I'm almost more, more looking forward to like him coming out of the tunnel than the game, Braden. I think it's going to be so cool, you know. And I, I, that's a it's a really tough. I think if the Titans had their way, they'd get in control of the game. I think they're going to split Foreman and Henry early, and then they wouldn't go right to 20 plus carries in this game for him. But maybe they're at eight or nine and they're in a tie game in the fourth quarter and the Bengals are getting tired and he looks like Derrick Henry. How are you not going to just say, okay, is he available or not? You know? And if he is, then that's when he is at his best. So, I mean, I might still set the over under at like 15 and a half carries or something, which some people would say is high, but I just, I think this is going to be a good game. 
And I think ultimately that's one of the strengths of this team, having him in the fourth quarter to batter a defense. And I think they're going to lean into that unless they're able to avoid it. It's funny. I, I think that number is high, but I also agree with you that I think the game is going to be good, which means you need him. And if Mike, if Mike Vrabel doesn't care about his workload in week five, why would he care about his workload in, in, in the AFC divisional round? So uh, there's that. You, you, you wrote about this as well. Both offensive lines, these are the two most sacked quarterbacks basically in the entire NFL. Is it as simple as who protects the quarterback? Well, yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, I think with the Titans, again, it's, it's so much about do they have that balance because their running game now is, is freezing people and the play action is working with the Bengals. Burrow gets the ball out fast and still 51 times he's gone to the ground this year and still he's been incredible. So look, I, I just, I look at that receiving core. Plus, by the way, Joe Mixon is pretty good. If the Titans don't have a great pass rushing day, then I think the Bengals are going to have a very productive passing day. So like, to me, yeah, both teams need to be able to get the quarterback on the ground. But the, the, the Titans, like they know what the Bengals are going to do. It's their strength. They want to throw the ball. And you got to find a way to even like tip some balls at the line. You got to look like you did like in the win over Kansas City or the win over the Rams. I think it starts with Simmons and Autry inside. Joe, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. The Athletic, pay for good journalism. 102.5 The Game. You can listen to him every single morning with Robbie Stanley as well. Thank you, Joe. All right. Thanks, Braden. Appreciate it, buddy. Tennessee and Vanderbilt played an interesting basketball game on West End on Tuesday night. There are many words I would use to describe the game. Passionate, close, dramatic, bizarre, but pretty would definitely not be one of them. In front of no students, the Vols moved to 3-3 three and three in SEC play and won their ninth straight game at Memorial Gymnasium with a 68-60 win. The Commodores fell to 2-3 and three in conference play on the season. The game was extremely close for all 40 minutes as both teams were playing with an elevated level of intensity. That intensity, however, led to an incredibly sloppy game in which both teams shot the ball extremely poorly and turned it over a combined 35 times. There was also some second-half pushing and shoving, and it looked like both teams were taking the battle personally, which is great for the rivalry and great for the fans. At one point, the refs called five fouls at once, including four technicals, although the refs did not have their best night either. In the end, Tennessee's overall size and physicality was too much. Kennedy Chandler finished with 13 points, but turned the ball over five times. Backup point guard Zakai Ziegler basically embodied the entire game. He went 0 for 8 from the floor, but came up with what amounted to be the game-winning steal and made 11 of his 12 free throws. Josiah Jordan-James took an elbow early in the game and missed the majority of the contest after playing just less than four minutes, so that's an important personnel note to keep an eye on. Scotty Pippen Jr. finished with 18 points on just 3 of 10 shooting from the floor as he and Chandler battled all game long. The Vols have alternated wins and losses in their first six games of SEC play and will get a second crack at number 21 LSU this weekend in Knoxville. Vanderbilt is clearly improved and only one win away from tying their SEC win total from each of the last two seasons in Jerry Stackhouse's third year. They will face Florida down in Gainesville this weekend. So let's check in on the other professional sports teams in Tennessee. After a long stretch of really good hockey, the Nashville Predators have finally hit a rough patch. A lackluster 4-1 loss to Buffalo at home last Thursday turned into a 4-3 overtime loss to Boston on the road on Saturday, and then back-to-back -back losses on Monday night to division rival St. Louis on the road, and then Vancouver at home on Tuesday has now pushed the Preds' losing streak to four straight. In a matter of one week, Nashville went from first place in the entire Western Conference to third place in the Central Division. What is worse is that the Preds had leads each of the last two games. Nashville scored twice against the Blues to start the game on Monday before allowing four straight in the 5-3 loss. 
On Tuesday night against the Canucks at home, Nashville scored first in the second period before giving up three straight to Vancouver. That's 16 goals allowed in four games, three of which were started by the nearly perfect UC Soros. David Riddich started on Tuesday. Slumps are a normal part of the NHL, and this was to be expected at some point. The key, though, is how long does it last and how many points does it cost you? This team has depended heavily on Soros and a lot of offensive weapons that have overachieved to some degree, and both of those failed over the last week. Which, again, is not a huge deal if you can nip it in the bud and course correct. Right now, the Predators are on the longest losing streak of the season and are a team that takes way too many penalties. Three, four, five games is no big deal and totally normal in a season of 82 games. But it can drift into seven, eight, nine, ten games pretty quickly if it's not addressed, and that can cost you a playoff spot, even in January. Nashville needs to rebound quickly, and they have very little time to think about it. Winnipeg comes to town on Thursday evening. Speaking of Vancouver, the Memphis Grizzlies got back into the win column. See what I did there on MLK Day with a victory over Chicago as John Morant and company will be back on the court Wednesday night on the road against the defending champs. Tip time against Milwaukee is at 7 p.m. Memphis is 31-15 and on the season, as a reminder, is five games clear of Dallas for the Southwest Division lead, if that really means anything, and is still 21-5 and since Thanksgiving. It's an absolute tear. They are nipping at the heels of Golden State for second place in the Western Conference and four games back of the Suns for first place in the conference. Again, just a friendly reminder, Memphis and John Morant will play a basketball game tonight against the defending champs, and it will be entertaining. 7 p.m. You should watch. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. They've been in business for over a decade in Nashville because they are excellent at what they do. Period. End of discussion. That's all you should need to know. Just reach out and have a conversation with them. They will help you with whatever it is you need with your home. Whether you use them or not, they will be of benefit to you. Make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. That's buildkg.com, the Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check out the YouTube, all the other great shows across the network as well. 440 Sports on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, 440 Media on Instagram. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. That is all that I ask. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, January 19th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.